0: Hey guys, this is Doug. Hey, welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, July 16th here in Omaha, Nebraska. Got a beautiful day going actually. Sun's shining. It's not raining. No terrible weather forecast in our immediate future, I don't think. So we're looking forward to uh, hopefully a nice weekend. I hope everybody had a good week. Um, Man, I had a busy week. Uh, I've been in and out of town recently, and gosh, as a as a sole proprietor, that makes your life miserable when you come back, man. There's nobody doing your work for you, so things have been busy, but that's great. That's great. I appreciate that. Uh, as always, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for three incredible guys. John Fallowich of Fallowich Construction Services, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, and our buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. Uh, All three of these guys are true believers in the cause, and I appreciate their support. So thank you, fellas. I hope I bump into you soon. Otherwise, I hope things are going well. A couple things that uh, I had a, as you will come to find out, my guest today is Mike Kinnett, uh, an old friend, colleague, and uh, associate. And uh, we're going to talk more with Mike here in a minute, but as he's also started in the consulting world, which is very exciting to me because I need some help. And I know he's, uh, he's geared, he's wired to do this. So, um, so most of my clients text me if they have a problem that getting a hold of me by phone is nearly impossible. Emails, obviously you check periodically, but I don't have email on my phone because I actually don't know how to do that. And, um, <clears throat> so text. So if you need, if you have an immediate issue, you text and so Last night, I got a text from one of my clients. That's always bad, typically, if I get that nighttime text. And um, we've had an amputation, I need some help, and so I'm communicating with him. And uh, this morning, I get, there's a a text waiting for me this morning that says, good news, it's only an avulsion. (laughs) So if those of you in the OSHA record-keeping and reporting world will, will understand that you know, you can lose a fingertip, but if it's an avulsion, if it was ripped off rather than severed off, you don't have to call it in. So, we're celebrating the fact that one of their employees had an avulsion rather than an amputation, which is really sick, man. Anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting twist. Um, the second thing is, I want to give a—I was going to say shout out, but that sounds kind of stupid, frankly. <laughs> I just want to—I just want to. Um, Mentioned that our former colleagues in the Omaha area office, there was kind of a big deal in the news recently. Uh, that Nebraska Railcar Specialty Cleaning Company, you saw that news. This is an investigation that started back in 2015. Our good friend Phil Pasali started yeah. an investigation that involved a double fatality. Nebraska Railcar Specialties, I think, is the name, something yep. like that. You remember that? You were still in the office at yes, the time. Yes, I
1: was. It was. Uh, it, there were three or four iterations of names of that company. Right. They were, well, they, they were. Well, you know how they morph. Yeah, they were
0: hiding. I think by changing their names periodically yeah. or yeah. double fatality guys down in a railcar cleaning in an environment that had not been tested. I mean, on and on and on. Everything that you could do wrong, they did, and it was highly flammable. There was an ignition. Flashover, explosion, killed the guy in the tank, killed the guy that was on the top of the tank, seriously injured another guy. Those guys. And then I know our other buddy, Ian Poole, who's here in town. So Phil and Ian uh, were both involved in that investigation. Um, Those guys, the two owners of that company just got sentenced to prison. Um, Finally, justices served. Justices served. You know, I mean, and as we will discuss, um, I had some challenges with some of what we did with OSHA. But when this kind of thing happens, when, a, when employers who deserve the hammer get the hammer, I mean, these guys are going away, man. They're two brothers, I think, that own this company. Uh, one just got sentenced to a maximum of 15 years in prison. The other 20 years in prison with millions of dollars in fines, potentially. I guess that's yet to be resolved, the sentencing portion but I just want to I just want to congratulate the area office and Phil and Ian in particular everybody in the re- review chain that went through all this you were probably involved in this to some degree as well and we can talk about that but I'm not proud of everything that we did with Ocean necessarily but man this is something to be proud of so I just wanted to give a shout out to the guys uh it's a big deal and congratulations on that so uh, that brings me to my guest, who I've kind of introduced, but Mike Kinnett. Man, it's great to see you.
1: It's great to be here.
0: You're wearing your Buckeye colors, I see. I, I appreciate that. I Mike and I are both Buckeye fans, which is uh, causing Cam to cringe over there a little bit, I see. <laughs> but um, welcome back, man. Uh, uh, an excellent career in the federal government, Air Force. I'll let you explain everything that you did, but you had a long and, and a distinguished career in the Air Force and in, with OSHA. Just retired literally seconds ago, and you're back in Omaha, and you're going to be doing some consulting work. So yes, give everybody the the you know a little overview of okay. What you just bo-
1: born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. Um, nice. So I'm not only a Buckeye, but I'm a Mud Hen. <laughs> right. Uh, um, the uh, spent first 21 years of my life there. Moved to Texas when I went in the Air Force. Spent two years Del there. Rio, Texas. Del Rio, Texas. <laughs> right. Right on the Mexican border. Yeah. Um, we uh. I was in, uh, pumping gas on airplanes mm-hmm, down there mm-hmm. and, uh, the air force decided that they needed to restructure. So they moved me around and, uh, you know, I thought I, to get into safety, I figured I wasn't really looking to get into safety. I was looking to get into a desk job. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause out in the flight line in 110 degree, heat just wasn't my, wasn't my bag. So, um, looked for a desk job. Well, I think, you know, I said safety, well, that's gotta be a desk job. Right. You know, Next thing I know I'm out on the flight line more than I was when I was in fuel. (laughs) So, um, and that began my career in safety. Um, they uh, shipped me up to Offutt air force base here in Omaha, Nebraska. Nice. Um, spent the rest of my air force career in, in Nebraska. Um, you know, when I first got here being a buck, I am like come across the board. I remember talking to my wife and saying, I'm not staying in this God forsaken (laughs) state any longer than I absolutely have to. Um, that was in 1988. And I've been here for the most part ever since. It's yeah. a great place to live. Yeah, um man. the problem is, you know, you're inundated with Huskers, Huskers, Huskers and and over the 30 some years I've been here, I'm I'm it, I'm kind of a a dual citizen per se as far yeah. as that goes. But um so yeah, um I got to a point in the, in my ocean career, um I you know, hired on here in Omaha and uh I basic, remember basically yeah. <laughs> yes, there are things I remember from the early days. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to talk about. Man. Um, so yeah, I mean, I went through here and, and I got to a point where I, 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 you know, got the itch to kind of stretch my wings a little bit and try to try to become part of management. Um, and, uh, I got hired on in the Madison area office as the assistant area director there. And shortly thereafter, um, uh, colleague of ours kind of recruited me to come down and and work down in Kansas City with the regional office. Yeah, yeah. Um so I worked down there as the um the audit coordinator. So basically I was doing audits for the region. Of the area of offices. Of the area actually. offices, yeah. exactly. Okay. You're oh. kind of like internal affairs, so to speak, or something yeah, like that, wasn't it? Did they of, hate you? Did everybody of, hate you when you showed uh, up? I wouldn't say hate me, but, you know, it's it's it was like being the OSHA compliance officer for OSHA compliance officers. <laughs> right. You know, you, you walk in the door and they give you that same look that the employers give you when right. you walk in the door. So. <laughs> Nothing changes. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, it it, it was a, a rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. It, it really gave me a lot of... Uh, insight as to how things work internally you know when you go you start as a compliance officer and then um you you do that and you're told to do things and you don't quite understand why or whatever the case but you do them because that's your job and then you move up to management you get a little bit more spoon fed to you as to you know this is why you do what you do or or this is what we're going to do and then once you become you know the guy who's checking up on them doing mm-hmm. their stuff, you start getting I know you're to get a real big understanding as to you know, how the things work. And That's that. really interesting,
0: man, because we used to always say, because I was an AAD for a while, you became an AAD for a while, mm-hmm. and we always talked about the fact that as a compliance officer, as a co-show, you don't really understand all of those, you know, the whys behind when, why we we're doing things. And it would have been really valuable. We, we did rotate periodically if one of the AADs was out of town. You might fill in as the acting for a week or a day when they were gone or something. And you get a little taste of it. But until you're actually doing that job, or I remember I did that extended acting area director gig when Bonita was down in Kansas City, mm-hmm. you know, getting ready to become the deputy. And then you really learn, oh, my
1: God, this is... <laughs> You know, there's, there's, there's another level of the onion that's peeled. That's know? right. It's kind of exactly the, 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 the curtain opens from behind the side mm-hmm. and there's the Wizard of Oz, you know, you're right. like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I get it now. Right. I understand it, why it, it is. It, it would be
0: really yeah. valuable for all kosher because kosher get a little frustrated with some of the insanity of the management team. You know, that used mm-hmm. to be very frustrating. We didn't always understand the whys and, and that became very frustrating at times. But, so it's good to have, and so you've seen it from three different positions, which is really interesting, Mm -hmm. man. So I'm interested in uh, in your take on OSHA in general and some of these things. And as I said, the very first episode, you know, a year and a half ago, um, I I fully intend to be transparent about OSHA and my OSHA experience. This is not a show about OSHA bashing because I have great friends in the agency, yourself included, and, um, and, and much of the experience was fantastic. Uh, so it's not about bashing OSHA, but on the other hand, I don't really pull any punches necessarily. Right. And there are some family secrets that we share along the way that, right. you know, I, I think mean, are interesting.
1: And, you know, it's been a huge part of my life for the last 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's provided me everything that I've gotten now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's some challenges, some black eyes and some bruises along the way that have yeah, come man. along and, and. You know, some of them were brought on by me. Others are brought on by others. Absolutely. But, I mean, overall, it's been an awesome experience.
0: Well, that's what I want to talk about first. I mean, we have talked at times about uh, OSHA inspections, you know, how to prepare for an OSHA inspection, the conduct of an OSHA inspection, some of those different things. and, And hopefully going forward over the next three, four, five years or however long we do this. You know, we can share more and more information from the insider's perspective on how these things oh, work. Definitely, But I, I've got a quote I'm going to read you, and this is really just maybe trying to impress people that are listening, you know, that I actually found this quote. But as we mentioned before we started, my mother was an English professor, you know, so uh, some of this stuff actually was shoved down my throat, so to speak. <laughs> so this is, this is the opening line from A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens' famous, you know, epic, okay? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times it was the age of wisdom it was the age of foolishness that quote was about osha i'm going
1: to say that pretty much <laughs> I mean, sums
0: up my whole osha career that was about osha man and I, I and i read that every time and i just i just smile because that describes my osha experience and i'm wondering let's just take that in pieces what it was the best of times what about osha did you love what about your experience was really gratifying
1: i think the the thing about it was the fact that you're you're helping people that don't necessarily have the ability, they don't have the voice that um, they necessarily need. Um, you know, you go into a place. You're basically you're looking to make sure that the place is safe and helpful for employees. Um, and you know, you walk, you've walked into some of these places. You look around, and you're like, oh my god. You know, it just is not, and the employees don't have any, they have no point of reference as to just how bad it is. Right. Good point. You know, so they're, they just continue on and doing their work like the little worker drones. Um, and I don't know if that's a proper terminology, but I mean, you know, they, they, they just continue to work and it's, you know, they don't necessarily know that there's a better life out there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and for you to be able to come in there and, a lot of times, some of the employers will will thrive on that. You know, they'll 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 benefit from that, and to be able to walk in to somebody like that who may have been injured or maybe in a situation that's just bad, and you walk in there with a you know, quick stroke of a pen, you know, you've changed it for them. Mm-hmm. I've had people come back to me post inspection, you know, maybe a year later, two years later. And thank me for you know oh, that's awesome. coming in and, and, and doing this because the employer was such a pain in the butt or whatnot mm-hmm. and um, um, it's been so much better since then and likewise I've had employers do the same thing you know where you walk in and they just don't know right it's not always malicious employers exactly. sometimes
0: it's just ignorance right do they just they're naive or they're ignorant to some of those maybe they've never seen anything differently
1: exactly exactly I mean and and you know when they come when you come walking in I've I've been. Commented to numerous times about you know I'm glad you came in and I'm glad you handled yourself the way you did because it could have been much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they 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 hear OSHA's at the door and immediately they lose all functions and right. you know everything's just just they go into this catatonic haze. Weird, yes. You know and they immediately start thinking about oh there's a gazillion dollars in penalties and you know going to prison and all this other stuff like we talked earlier mm-hmm. um and in reality it might be they just have a missing machine guard on something it's you know just a matter of let's right. put, put this on there and, and you know they they uh they appreciate the fact that you know you bring it to them with a, a certain amount of um humanity
0: Oh, mm-hmm. well, good yes you so, know it's interesting you say that man because um i have been out for a while i left at the end of 2013 so I've been out for almost seven and a half, eight years, whatever it is now, and have been doing this thing. And And when my clients would call me in that panic and they'd say, oh, my God, there's an OSHA person here. What do I do? What do I do? My first question always was, who is it? And they'd say, oh, it's a guy named Mike Connett. I was like, I think you're okay, man. Mike is going to give you a fair shake, you know. Um, there were other guys that they may have mentioned that I was like, oh shit, I'll be there in five (laughs) minutes, you know, or whatever. But I knew if it was you, they were going to get a fair shake. And and the interesting thing to me is that, um, much like me, your, your personality, your temperaments, your talents, I think lend themselves really well to consulting, the consulting world. Let's
1: hope hope so.
0: Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) All right. We're about to find out, but I mean, you just weren't, you just didn't, your ego didn't need to beat up people that didn't need it. I,
1: I personally, and this you know sounds like I'm blowing my own horn here, but yeah, I, I just, I, I could not walk in and just smack somebody upside the head with a, you know, here's your penalty and walk out the door. It just, it, it was backwards to me. Yeah. You know, you can't change the culture of a company. You can't change the situation unless the person that's being talked to understands, you know, why this is. You know, why? Why do I need to do this? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the reason why, and not just that because it's a regulation or whatever. What's the theory behind the regulation? Why? Why are they? You know? Why is this this way? You know? Why on 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 the uh, the uh, butt creams do they have? You know, dot for or, not for oral use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody did it mm-hmm. <laughs> at some yeah. point. You know, and 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 that's kind of the way OSHA regulations are you know they you know they say well why do I need to do this well because somebody somewhere did this found out a way to hurt themselves exactly and and, you know it was uh, prevalent enough that the federal government decided maybe we should make a rule about this right so I mean and I don't think a lot of employers or a lot of people period really understand that or really not so much understand that but don't take that into consideration yeah they just look at it as like well that's just common sense well We all know about common sense. Yeah, exactly.
0: Hey, man, I don't mean to interrupt. One of the things that we do on this show is a thing that we call the supporter spotlight. We've got these incredible sponsors who really help us get this thing going, but there are a number of small business persons out in our community that serve, you know, the same group of people that we serve. They provide different, you know, different services and solutions, products, things like that. And so we like to spotlight a different supporter on every episode and this you know this last month we've been supporting Hinco which is uh Kristen Hodge she's a local business person her company is called Hinco she provides all sorts of services related to ergonomics and proper lifting techniques uh she does those analyses I see she she's on LinkedIn you can find her on LinkedIn Kristen K-R-I-S-T-I-N Hodge H-O-D-G-E and I follow her on LinkedIn and she's um She's always showing uh, pictures of a workplace that she's in and some analysis she's doing on a, on, on a, a work process or something, ergonomic assessments. Uh, she does stretching. She does all sorts of different things. But the one, thi- one thing that is really significant is, um, and I just wanted to highlight today and uh, mention briefly, is um, lifting. You know, in almost every workplace that we go into, people are required to lift. They have to do some kind of lifting and, you know, the mantra has always been, well, lift with your legs, not your back. Um, Kristen does this training. She came into one of my clients not too long ago, and she showed them proper lifting. And it involves a lot more than just lifting with your legs, right? I mean, like your core, strengthening your core, tightening your core, you know, the floor of your pelvis. There's also muscles you have to contract. And, you know, so if you're pushing, pulling, lifting, whatever, and your, your employees don't know how to do that correctly, Uh, You need to get in touch with Kristen Hodge at HINCO. I think her email is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, at HINCOsolutions.com. So um, get in touch with Kristen. You'll meet her at some point down the road. She's done a lot of work for me, and she provides an excellent service. So thank you, Kristen. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Um, So let's get back to that, man, the best of times. I want to throw something out there. I'm with you, man. Nobody can argue with the mission, you know, everybody should be entitled to a relatively safe and healthful place to work. I was totally on board with that. I didn't always love the way that we went about that necessarily. But as you said, when you, when you are working with an employer who may, may be naive to some of those rules or, or they simply just don't understand why they're important and you can actually kind of clarify that for them, explain that to them, and they, and they actually receive that, you know, in a positive fashion and do something about it, that's a win, man.
1: I've always looked at it that way. I mean, you know, it, OSHA has its policies. The federal government has its policies. And this is, you know, depending on where you go, which way you lean, every time there's an election, it goes this way or that way. You know, and it, the funny thing was, it was I always likened it to a um, steering a, a, a ship, like a battle cruiser. Um, you're not running a jet ski. You know, it's not going to zip and away you go. It's 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 something that slowly moves its way around, and by about the time the time for an administration change, we're right where we need to be. And then they're, whoop! No, we're coming back the other way. And I always watch the um, the way this all plays out. And you know, the the, the agency has its its goals and its um, its policies, and it's for the compliance officers and the management staff and the whole personnel there to enforce that or to, you know, influence that in the best way they can. And I always felt that um, even though at times I may not have completely understood or, or even agreed with what they were doing, it was always my job to present it in the best fit, you know, best manner, you know, possible. Um, and sometimes it was, it just, it made it easier if you could explain it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, well, why is this? This is why we do this. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so I mean, it—it it, just—it—it it, it, education and understanding to me. I guess maybe because that's the way I learn and the way I—I I operate. I once told Benita a long time ago. She was uh, used to get on me all the time because I would ask her questions. Well, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? And she would get all frustrated with it, you know. And I'm like, I'm not questioning your authority or the validity of what the question is. I'm asking. Why are we doing this? You know, if I understand why, then I have no problem doing this and I can, I can you know, run through walls with it. But if I don't understand why, and then somebody asks me, now I'm hanging out in the wind like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know really, no, mm-hmm. you know, because we said so. You know, mm-hmm. it, just, it, it was easier for me to um, digest if I understood the why behind it. Mm-hmm. And I found in my career... You know, when you first start, you just go out there and you start. This is the way it is. and then, then But as you you start seasoning yourself, um, that that it changes the way you do business. And and I, I you, you find out what works and what doesn't work. You know, what is is what what's the best way to be able to to make the medicine go down per se. Mm-hmm. And um, I I found a lot of it was if they understood, you know. Not only that this is the reason why, I mean, everybody knows if you if you put a, a boundary between you and a rotating piece of equipment, you're probably safer than if not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, why do they do this? You know, it's just the the, the the engineering of a bench grinder, you know. Everybody's like, oh, it's just a bench grinder. But if you actually look into the theory behind it and what's, you know, how it is and why these these pieces of equipment are located on the bench grinder, you know, it's not just to keep you from reaching your hand in there is to keep it you know, shrapnel from flying off if the, if the, mm-hmm. the, the wheel explodes and stuff right. like that. So that type of stuff is, is mm-hmm. you know, it, it seemed to me as I would explain that stuff, the employers would, were more willing to say, ah, okay, I get it. You know, this is why we should do this. Right. So
0: I would agree. That was interesting. And I, and um, I always thought that, you know, if, if truly we were in, t- if the, mission was to have an impact on that culture that you referred to if we were really going to make a change in that facility rather than just come in say change that 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 and leave but if you wanted to have an impact a lasting impact um i think we you know i was always frustrated that we didn't take more time to do that because we were always under the gun as you recall we would we'd get together on monday morning well as you mentioned earlier the agency has goals you know, and so every area office is given a certain number of inspections they're they're expected to complete. We would put, put together this FOPP, this Field Operations Performance Plan. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to do five inspections of silica. We're going to do 10 inspections in, you know, this and that, whatever the different program was or whatever. And that would be kind of our guidance document for the year. And then We'd get together on Monday mornings, and we'd plan out the work, and Mike, you're going to get three inspections. Doug, you're going to get two inspections. we got to do this, and it would seem that at the start of the year, you would always be behind because you were always finishing up stuff from the previous year, and you had cases mm-hmm. that had been lingering for a while, get all that stuff written and issued or out, whatever the case might be. So you'd get behind, and then and then we're under the gun. Okay, Mike, you need eight inspections this week. Doug, you need five. Darwin's on vacation again, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, whatever the case might be, and it, that didn't sit well with me sometimes, at least as a compliance officer, because you didn't have an opportunity to do that. You had to go into the facility. You had to do that quick inspection if you wanted to get your mm-hmm. five inspections that week. That frustrated me. But as you said, once I became an assistant area director and I was involved in more of the management discussions, and you understand the pressure that the higher-ups are under – you know, from the national office or even from Congress, you know, from the purse strings. It does change your perspective a little bit, but it still would have been nice had we had more time to work with the employers. I exactly. think exactly. it's interesting. Um one of the other things that I remember fondly, man, was just the camaraderie with the guys because it was a it was a stressful environment at times, as you you know
1: you, you know you're you're in a situation where and and this was one that I remember I hit my highest level of frustration one time and it it was, it came to me in a, in a epiphany on my way back from Scott's bluff coming one day. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I, I don't understand it. You know, as a compliance officer, you have to deal with, um, not always the most accepting groups of individuals. You know, I've had things thrown at me. I've had pitchforks swung at me. You know, been called every name in the book, and then some, you know, my mother's names and everything <laughs> else. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of stress there. And, and you know, you have to be the stoic government employee that doesn't respond, and, you know, you have to be almost not inhuman, but, you know. Some somewhat robotic almost. Exactly, exactly. And then I would hit the area office, and, and then I've got a whole nother group of people putting more pressure on me from the other side, you know, and I'm like, this office should be a haven, you know, it should be Valhalla exactly. mm-hmm. you know, to where, where you know, we should be able to come in and de-stress and just relax and, and do what we need to do and, and have the, that, that sanctuary or oasis mm-hmm. away from the outside world. And it didn't ever seem to be that way at the very beginning of my career anyway, (laughs) maybe because I wasn't understanding the process (laughs) or whatever. But but, you know, as you got to know the people and um, it's 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 the pressure of the battle that 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 brings you together because there's only well, at the time there were only eight compliance officers in the area office and there was only eight of us in the whole state that understood what we were dealing with mm-hmm. in different levels of stress and different types of situations, but it was all pretty much the same thing. And I think that that formed that bond. Mm-hmm. And from that, at least from the beginning of my career, you know, I had people like you and Seth and Schneider and um, Big, D. Big D. Big D. Big D is my boy. <laughs> he was your trainer, wasn't he? I <laughs> he mean, he was, was basically your primary trainer. He was basically my mentor. I can tell you stories about times out with Big D that just you know well that's what we're hoping for um it's it's yeah i mean th- we had great times and and he was the one that kind of you know he was the the quote-unquote hard ass of the group he was the one that didn't you know he he, he took the the letter of the law and that's the way it was mm-hmm. and did not think you know twice about doing it and, right and then as i got to know him you find out that he's he's not really that guy he's yeah. he's you know a little little nicer than that yeah but, um yeah, he was the one that kind of molded me at the very beginning, or at least I molded myself after. I think mm-hmm. myself um, with Doug, or not with Doug, but with um, um, Darwin and, and yourself, mm-hmm. Joan. G-
0: oh, jo- Was Gaines there when you, or had he I already was, left? I was Gaines' replacement. Oh, you replaced Gaines, yeah. okay.
1: Um, he, he left, and that job came open, and that's when I okay. applied and, and yeah. got it. Um, in fact, they they
0: gifted me his patent poster (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was a patent fanatic big patent
1: fanatic and he had a a cardboard poster that had um
0: just pictures of. I remember that it It was like a kind of a collage that you put together exactly I do remember that that was back when we were at 6910 Pacific that's where yep that's where I started that's where you started before they moved out to the palace and regency yeah exactly got all that government money to exactly get that new office but um
1: so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of it, and, and you know, there were, there were people. You know, it's funny when you go in as a, as a new compliance officer. I mean, I knew safety from the Air Force, mm-hmm. but OSHA and safety are, are two different worlds. I mean, you know, I, I, like I told Benita at the very beginning, I understand safety. I know occupational safety. Mm-hmm. You know. I do risk
0: assessment well, all the time. Yeah,
1: exactly, but, uh, you know, once you get to the, the flip side of that, the legal side of it, Mm-hmm. You know that was the stuff that, that kind of tripped me up early because I'm not a lawyer and I'm not legally trained. Mm-hmm. Um, so it came. I, I relied heavily on on the uh, compliance officers there, right, to right. kind of yeah. guide me through what the what the situation is. You know, absolutely. And so it 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 was. Did you ever train with Burmeister, Seth? Well, do you call it (laughs) (laughs)
0: training? Well, well, you know, so when I got to the office in 96, Joan and Seth were the IHs, and I came in as an industrial hygienist. And then Frank Winningham was there, Gaines, um, Chester, Chester. Darwin. um, And then they had hired me, Denny Hitzfeld, and Gina Sims. We came in together, the three of us. And I think that was the entire office at that point. But so Burmeister... May have been my primary trainer, maybe. Is that you whistling?
1: No, that's my phone that I thought I turned off.
0: Oh, well, that's all right, man. We don't, we don't care about that. It's probably a client, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just ignore the call and get back to <laughs>
1: the important stuff.
0: And so Burmeister was one of my trainers, and Burmeister was like a red pen guy. I don't know where he came up with it, but, you know, when you're a new guy, they you accompany one of the senior compliance officers and they give the write up to you so you and have to he, he you have to get in over you got to get into the is it called IMAS? you have to get into the IMAS. get into the IMAS and type up all of these citations and literally the paperwork was really one of the biggest challenges to me there was so much paperwork and documentation i'd write it all up print it out give it to seth and he would take that red pen to it and cross all this crap out and i think i've told this story before but he would look at me these citations i'd written and he would look at me and say, What what's the hazard, Doug? Which is where the name of the, the show came from, Burmeister, because I heard that a thousand times, you know, during my training. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the hazard? You know, I mean if you're gonna write a citation, there has to be a hazard, not simply just some kind of technical violation of a written standard somewhere. Which is
1: funny you say that because when I was in the Air Force, you literally could write something up, whether there was a hazard or not, mm-hmm. because it was in the regulation. Yeah, kinda like consultation. You know? Exactly, exactly. And and in the Air Force, when you when you spoke, it didn't matter what rank you were. Um, when you spoke, you spoke with the authority of the whoever the commander of that base was. Mm. So, you know, you could go in as, you know, just a lowly E3, E4, and, um, you know, talk to a, a colonel or a, a general at times and say, I need that fixed, and I'll be damned if it wasn't fixed. A whole different world when you walk <laughs> into ocean. <laughs> you know, right. I said, you know, you need to fix that, and he's like, you know, you can –
0: yeah whatever
1: yeah and um it's it I almost cried the first time somebody told me no <laughs> I, was <laughs> like, I was like what do you mean no you know yeah. no, I don't have to do that and I'm not going to yeah um okay um classic example when I started I was given to a compliance officer by Benita and she was like do exactly what he does and when he gives you the write-up just do what he does so I'm like okay no problem got through the whole inspection, did this thing. You know, there's an employer knowledge block on there. Mm-hmm. They have to kind of describe the knowledge that the employer has of the, of the, the hazardous situation. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer there was yes. <laughs> employer knowledge. Yes. <laughs> right. And the theory behind that was the employer had knowledge of the hazardous situation. Well, I don't know if he was pulling it off on me to see just how, how, you know, much Benito would screw herself into the ceiling <laughs> right. or if it was, you know, he just didn't know himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I turn in the case files on Miss Winningham, and um, yeah, I get this little boop. You know, Mike, can I see you in my office? Okay, I make the the walk of death into the, into the into the the office there, and she closed the door. That's when I knew I had troubles. Anytime <laughs> there was close the door, it's <laughs> right. like, yeah, okay, this isn't going to be good. Um, and the next thing I know, it's you know, she's like, "What in the hell is this?" And I'm like. Well, what do you mean? She goes, yes, what is this? I'm like, well, she has knowledge. And she's like, no, you need to do much more. And, you know, she went into great detail, mm-hmm. as she always Oh, <laughs> did, she does. She's very about, detail-oriented. About what needed to be there. And, mm-hmm. and this is where I learned this whole, if I explain it to the uh, business owner, that um, it, it kind of goes down better. I understand at that point. Once she explained that to me, I had no problem with employer knowledge ever again mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. sometimes i didn't always you know get as much as i should sure but um, but, but you understood but i understood what for. the theory was and sometimes you know you ask a person something and they just don't know and you're like well, okay now you're gonna have to you know kind of right find another way around that to 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 make this you know the violation substantial
0: right legally sufficient so, exactly well th- you know that's something we'll talk about it on one of these sessions is just the elements of prima facie legality the elements that we had to make in order to you know to issue mm-hmm. a legally sufficient citation and employee exposure and employer knowledge two of the four are you know mm-hmm. really important and uh I can remember on that form it was the OSHA 1 form maybe or whatever yep. it was where you would employer OSHA. knowledge you had to explain how was it that the employer either had actual or constructive knowledge that this condition existed and yes was a pretty common response. <laughs> so, but you, 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 you mentioned something that I just chuckled about because we would sit in our little cubicles and Bonita and Bernie Halber at the time, who was Thank the you. other assistant area director, were sitting up front. And they had offices with doors, of course, so they mm-hmm. could scold us, you know. And you'd hear that beep from the intercom. I need to see in my office. And somebody was going. <laughs> and you
1: just sat there and thought, Thank God it's not
0: me. Exactly. And they'd have to do the march of death as he says, like, yeah, you'd walk up the hall, you'd go into the office, we would all be sitting there, you would hear the door close. <laughs> oh shit, this isn't gonna be good, you know. <laughs> oh, that is so funny, man. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well so um you know what what we've talked a little bit about it, but what frustrated you the most? What um
1: just the bureaucracy or I think uh, the the bureaucracy is is probably the most frustrating um and, and the expectation that the answer is out there sometimes the answer isn't always out there I mean sometimes you go to an employer and you're like okay you know why did this happen or you know tell me what you know about this or you know there's many ways to get that that information from the employer and it sometimes you walk the path all the way down to the very end and it, the answer just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And there was still that expectation that you as the compliance officer, I don't want to say failed, but you weren't able to provide the information to support, like you said, a legally sufficient case file, or I guess more for me would be, on as we walked through that path, I got everything that I thought we, you know, we needed to have, Mm -hmm. and then you'd turn it over to the solicitors and they'd be like, yeah, no, Mm -hmm. Uh, you need to know this, or we need to know this, or, you know, and it always, there was always that one thing that was like, you've got to be kidding me. You really want me to ask that question? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that was just something that was so painfully obvious Mm -hmm. that, you know, because I didn't ask the question in the interview that, well, we can't, we can't support that.
0: I agree. That was frustrating. And it wasn't always clear cut. There were so many situations where it was incredibly gray or just as you're trying to develop a legally sufficient citation, some of that information just isn't available. Classic example
1: from Darwin. (laughs) How wet is the mud? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, how in God's name am <laughs> I supposed to know how wet what, the mud what was that? What was it the, was the was issue? Mud. I forget. I can't was that a trenching it situation? It was a trenching situation, and there was mud in the bottom of the trench. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Darwin, like everybody else, put, you know, mud in the bottom of the trench or whatever the case may be. And the question was, well, how wet was the mud? Mm-hmm. I, I get it in theory. I mean, I understand what they're saying. You know, was it, you know, muddy water or was it, you know, barely, right. you know, wet mud but I mean it just the question was like really we have to go into that much detail right you know when there's obviously other issues here but you know we're gonna to, to just to nail this down we're gonna make it that much harder it just those types of situations just confounded me even you know 26 years later yeah having gone through it having taken my lumps from not asking those questions at the beginning to the very end where I knew the question needed to be asked and still asked it there was always it seemed it never seemed like I ever asked all the right questions exactly. <laughs> and that was oftentimes the guidance
0: We'll just ask the right questions exactly and uh, there, there's no manual there's no well that was my first question
1: I remember going out on an inspection and Ben Bear saying well just go out and ask the right questions, Well, what are the right questions <laughs> right. <laughs> tell me i'll be happy to ask them, but you know yeah. And as you go along, you know, as, you, as yeah. you 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 open up through your career, and and you start learning that there are some right questions, sure. And and you know, these are the ones you have to ask. Um, but it ever it seemed just like even up to the very end, last two months ago, three months ago, or whatever, I still was not asking the right question. <laughs> there was <laughs> right. always that one question I missed, always one, which damn it. just drove me up a wall because I always thought I, I can. T- there's been at least five cases that I turned in and I thought were slam dunks. These were, I had done everything. You know, I went out on fatality and said, you know, got all this, brought it back in, and I remember walking into Benita's office and we're laid it out for her and here you go. And she goes, did you interview the maintenance manager? And I knew at that point. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, no, I didn't. She looked at me and she says, do uh, you think you should have? And I was like, I do now. <laughs> you're nodding <a> yes. <laughs> at, I think at, I. At yeah. the time, I didn't think it was, you know, maybe that important. But, you know, now that I know you're s- high on your priority list, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Right>. most definitely <laughs> I'm going to ask. So.
0: I'm, I should have. Yeah. That, that was interesting, though. It was um, when you, as, as anyone who does this knows, when you're doing an investigation, certainly of a fatality or an accident or something, there's a certain amount of stress involved in that, man. There are emotions can be high, mm-hmm. emotions can be raw. Uh, there can be, you know, the the uh, people a, that you're speaking with aren't necessarily forthcoming because they're concerned about their own liabilities and those kind of things. And it's not
1: necessarily that they're, they're, you know, lasciviously trying to get around out of stuff. I mean, they're just, they're afraid. Right. You know, I mean, you read the newspapers, you hear it in the news, you know, $500,000 worth of penalty, um, you know, years in prison, whatever the case may be, and that's all they hear. They don't hear about the other cases that, you know, settle for $3,000 and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the citation gets dropped to, you know... Yeah, we something. don't do
0: newsletters about the incompliances.
1: Exactly. That was another thing I wanted to mention. I said, you know, OSHA as far as, you know, we were always, as compliance officers, I don't want to say dinged, but we were looked, we were frowned upon if we had a high incompliance rate. And my theory was always, I think... Uh, for a compliance officer, our goal for OSHA as an agency, our goal should be one hundred percent compliance or in compliance. Yeah, absolutely, and it just seemed like a a di- you know there was a a, a, a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 the, the the compliance officer wasn't um, wasn't effective mm-hmm. if he wasn't finding violations. You know, I really—if I go into a place and and they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, I, I, the, the the staff should be you know looked down upon or or you know mm-hmm. it should be frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um, I my personal feeling was I you know I trust my professional opinion. If right. I, if I say it's it's in compliance, then it's in compliance.
0: And it's interesting too so. because th- there is a certain, you know. And really, this is really one of the challenges of OSHA. But there is a certain subjectivity to this inspection investigation process. And you,
1: you and I could walk into the same business. Yeah, and we
0: would see things ten differently apart, and or we're,
1: even at the same time.
0: Exactly. And we have in the past. Yes, where we've been, we've picked up on different things. But the thing that I always felt was, if a company is doing well, they're making a good faith effort. They don't have any major issues. I could probably go over there and find a minor issue. But sometimes. The good faith that you get from giving them that in compliance finding, you know, no citations, you make a lot more ground with that than if you ding them for two or three crappy little.
1: I always found, you know, as I went through my career, and I can say this now that I don't work for. Russia, <laughs> yes, finally. That um, I gained more traction with. Yeah, you, know, you should probably put that faceplate on that electrical mm-hmm. outlet. Yeah. Then oh, that needs to be fixed and write down everything and then, you know, next thing, you know, and now with the penalty structure the way it is, we're looking at almost $14,000 in in penalty just for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where it starts. Obviously, there's reduction factors and whatnot, but I mean, that's a lot of money for a broken faceplate. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can, you know, kind of cut you some slack on that, and you know, focus on the real hazards—the ones that are really gonna, you know, tear you up—that um, are really gonna cause a problem—then I, I, it always seemed to me like they were a little bit more palatable in this, mm-hmm. to handling that situation. So, and, you know, I'm. It,
0: <laughs> well, and and you know, those people are going to share that experience with other people in their community. Hey, I, I had an OSHA guy in, and it wasn't all that bad. He was pretty reasonable. He gave me some good information. I think it was okay. I didn't get a bunch of ridiculous citations. You know, the you know the urban legend is that if OSHA comes in, they're going to cite you for something. Mm-hmm. Well, you, they certainly probably could find something that would be, you know, a technical violation of a standard, but that's not always productive from the compliance officer's standpoint, so it's not
1: always the case. And I was out west in one of the smaller towns. I think it was Gothenburg. One. It's a small manufacturing facility. And I'll never forget, the the safety director was, like, seven foot tall. I'm, you know, six four, and I don't look down. I don't look up at a lot of people. You know, when I look at talking to people, I'm either eye level or my head naturally goes down because of their height. Um, this guy walks out, and I'm, like, <laughs> looking up at him. Um, and we went through the inspection process, and it was it, – I mean, they had a lot wrong, but, you know, I – we handled it well. He took mm-hmm. it well, and I, 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 you know, did what I normally do, which was, you know, kind of do is compliance assistance along with the enforcement, um, Explained why the situation was. Two years later, I'm at a Husker game, one of the spring games. We're walking out. You know, it's the sea of red. Everybody's going to their cars and everything, and all of a sudden I hear this, Mike, screaming from the masses, and I'm like, I look around, and all I see is this guy's head above everybody (laughs) (laughs) else's. And he's, like, waving his hand, Mike. Mike." So he comes over, and he's just like, hey, I just wanted to say hi. I noticed you there, and, you know, I wanted to thank you for everything you've done and whatnot. And that was just one of those things that's, like, out of the blue. Mm -hmm. It just, the rest of the day, I was, like, walking on clouds. Because, you know, something I did, you know, mattered. Because too often, you'd go into these places, and they're, like, crushing you Everything else and whatnot, And you know, down well that, yeah, they're not you know putting you on their Christmas card. List right, it was, there was it was not a positive outcome, <laughs> right, right. Necessarily. So you know, you get those little things, and that was that was that was a, a good thing.
0: That is a good thing, man. I I agree. I, I would agree. There were were those moments where you actually felt like you accomplished something good, and mm-hmm. you know somebody would would uh, confirm that for you or affirm that for you, perhaps. Usually, it happened later. when
1: I needed it the most. Yeah. You oh, know, I was in the position where I had had enough of those where they were, you know, beating you down, beating you down, beating you down. And then yeah. somebody would pop up and say, Hey, you know, thanks a lot for what mm-hmm. you did. And it's like, Oh, geez. Okay. Now I, I'm feeling much better about it. So. I agree. There were
0: many times in my OSHA career where I had to remind myself that my client, you know, was truly those employees mm-hmm. and all the other noise and crap that went with the job had to be dealt with in some fashion but as long as i could look at myself in the mirror and know that i did my best for those employees that i was there to serve then you could get through some of that other some of the rough points exactly i know? mean
1: it, it, i kind of looked at it as i was an advocate for the employees exactly you know because you've got the osha folks that are you know looking to regulate the way it needs to be done and then you've got the employer that is either fear based or or maybe not fear based but they're still wanting to comply with the regulations mm-hmm or they're not wanting to comply with the regulations and they're trying to do something that's not quite above board. Mm -hmm. Either way, the employees are being put at risk and they really don't have a viable, you know, the the unions are out there now or have been for years, um, and they do, you know, their part. But you get to these smaller places that don't have unions. They've got, you know, 15 employees, 20 employees, and they just... You know, they've got a guy that rules with an iron fist, and this is the way I do business, and if you don't like it, walk out. Especially in the western part where you've got, you know, it's 50, 60, 70 miles to the next town, you know. You don't have a
0: lot of options as far as employers you either work
1: at Bob's, you know, garage, or you don't work, or you drive, you know, six hours to work every day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and so, yeah, they they have a tendency to take a little bit more than what, what they're they would be willing to normally and and that's where I think that the the compliance officer is that they are that advocate they're that 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 conduit for the employee to you know be protected to be able to to have that situation where there there's somebody there to speak up for them it's kind of like being a big brother you know it is yeah so
0: yeah somebody looking out for him well man that was a quick hour was it not it was I mean it just goes by so fast um I can't tell you how happy I am to have you back. Uh, I look—we're going to be working together, and thrilled to be. Going to be doing more of these, hopefully, and sharing more of the family secrets over the next (laughs) several months. So we'll see how that goes over. This will be. Oh no, it'll go. (laughs) You know what? It doesn't matter how it goes over. That's a good point. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's a good point. It is. I mean, hey, we love the guys in the Omaha area office. They're buddies of ours. They're good friends, and we respect them and we care about them, but you know, the truth is the truth. At least our truth is our truth. So, um, I think that's a great message though for everybody out there that's in the safety profession. Maybe if you're struggling a little bit, maybe you feel like what you're doing, isn't having an impact or your boss is bitching at you or whatever the case might be. Just keep in mind that we're, who we're doing this for why, you know, the why behind what we do, just keep focused on that, you know, do the best you can for the people that you're charged with protecting. And, uh, I think the rest will take care of itself. So that's it for this week. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Mikey, good to see you. Hope you have a good weekend back here in Omaha, you man. You too. And uh, we'll be talking to you again soon, folks. Thanks. Bye-bye. A Huda
1: Media Production.